Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. We are wrapping up our stewardship series titled A Deeper Well. This series focuses on how we can live into lives of abundance and not scarcity. Revelation paints a portrait of the diverse crowd around the throne singing God's praise, whom Christ will guide to the springs of the waters of life. Our faith promises us that there will come a time when we will no longer have to do the back-breaking work of well-digging to taste Christ's goodness. We give to the church as a way of creating a glimpse of that kind of world, where all have comfort, grace, and truth. In this message of the week from October 24th, Pastor Jen Tyler shares from Revelation 7 and challenges us to pledge our time, finances, and lives as an outpouring of the never-ending spring of life that comes from God. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. Won't you pray with me? Lord God, as we gather and we worship you this day, we ask that you would open our ears anew, that we might hear you more clearly. Open our eyes that we might see you more clearly and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So as you likely realize, it has been throughout the month of October that we've been working our way through our sermon series titled A Deeper Well, in which we are reflecting on the importance of wells throughout scripture and throughout our lives. One of the gifts of talking about wells in the Bible and the stories that happen around them is that I believe these stories give us an opportunity to recenter ourselves and to reflect on what is most important in our lives. By that, I mean we have some of these gifts more obvious than others that we need to center around, right? We have the gift of water that we are invited to draw forth uh, from wells or often in the far less laborious work of a faucet. We know that this not only reminds us of the gift of quenching thirst, but also I hope it reminds us to never take advantage of how easy it is for us to turn the tap on, right? And to have that water pour forth instead of needing to draw it up like these stories have it doing in scripture. And for me, that is not only a reminder of how blessed we are while millions around the world struggle with this. But it also reminds me of the importance of being good stewards of what we have, of our water, of our pipes, of our treatment plants. I know that I was thinking about that this past week because I heard some stories in the news again, but this week specifically about another community in Michigan who's struggling with unsafe drinking water. And it reminded me of how important it is for us to be thankful for what we have and as a part of that gratitude to respond by going out of our way to care for all that we have, not just for our own sake, but for the community around us and for the generations that are yet to come. Because that really is what stewardship is about. Pastor Abigail talked about that a little last week, about how stewardship is this bigger theme. Often in church, we use it to talk about money, and we're talking about that too, and I'm not sorry. But we use stewardship as this bigger idea too, about the reminder of loving and caring for ordinary things in our lives, and the importance of going out of our way to care for what we have with all that we have. 
particularly as we seek to live into the gifts that God has given us to serve here in our church community. Uh, which is why I'm going to use this as an opportunity to remind you, if you haven't yet, we have some of these Find Your Fit forms that we handed out last week. There are still some in the back. And I would love for you to take a moment to fill that out as we prayerfully dis- dis- uh, discern how we can live into our gifts here in the church. And sometimes that means gifts of service or time. Other times that means our finances and offerings. But giving from all of these things of what we have for the present to care for the future is an important part of who we are and how we're called to live. And so I've been reflecting on this and on the importance of digging deep to find and share all that God has given us. And it made me wonder about a question that I've been asked in various forms over the years as a pastor. And that question is, okay, but we're giving to what end? right? Usually this question I receive about a pastor is about a couple of things, about uh, some of us who long to be so generous that you can give too much. I would argue it's hard to give too much, but I do think that God calls us to live faithfully with what we have, seeking to earn and save and give of what we have, and it's important to do all of those things. But the opposite's true too, isn't it? Sometimes I think we get so caught up in making sure that we're saving or trying to plan ahead for our future that we forget about living in the present. We forget about the importance of generosity or we start to think, well, it's okay. Somebody else will take care of it. They've been all right before. Why should I give moving forward? It's easy in those moments to give too little and to come up with reasons why we should not be generous. But both of these extremes, I would argue, are unhealthy. Generosity is a gift because when we continue to live generous lives for the right reasons, focusing on God and the blessings of all that God has given us, instead of on ourselves or feeling like we have to do it, that is, I believe, where the blessings of generosity came. That's why today I chose a text that I want to read for us here in a moment. It's a text, if I'm honest, that I have never before associated with stewardship. Uh, But as I think about water as the source of the very beginning of life, that's easy to come up with, right? It is this thing that then sustains us throughout life. And I thought, if we are talking about the beginning and the middle, we should probably talk about the end, too. And it occurs to me that water is with us through all of those stages. And so if we want to talk about the end, where better to go than to the end of the Bible and the last book in the book of Revelation? Uh, The book of Revelation, clearly, as I've said, is the last book of the Bible, and it is the only book of the Bible that is entirely what we call uh, apocalyptic literature. And my guess is, for many of you, like every other person I've ever met, the book of Revelation is also the most easily avoided in the Bible, right? because there is a lot in there we don't understand. It's probably the, Bible I've pre- the book of the Bible I've preached on the least as a pastor over the years. We avoid it in part because we think apocalyptic literature, oh my gosh, it's the apocalypse, it's the end of the world. And we think of all these scary and difficult and tough things that are tied with that, right? In our culture and English language, often it is tied with the end of the world and with suffering and mass destruction and all these awful things. But actually, 
actually, it doesn't have to be all that. It's a little about some of those things, but the Greek root word, and I'm not someone who usually goes to Greek words, but I thought this was really interesting. The root word for the Greek word that apocalypse comes from, it doesn't mean to destroy or anything scary. It actually means to reveal. And so if we are seeking to have something revealed, apocalyptic literature is actually using some of these outlandish images and descriptions that we don't understand and attempt in an attempt to try to reveal something to us. And I would argue that that's what the book of Revelation is doing through these wondrous images that include a great deal of suffering But they also show us that no matter how great suffering within or around us may be, or how dire circumstances may seem, God's power is always greater. And that is evident in the passage that I want to read for us today. So I'm going to read from uh, Revelation 7. And as I read it, I want you to uh, keep this invitation of God revealing something to us in the back of our heads. Revelation 7 says, starting in verse 9. After this, I looked, and there was a great cloud that no one could number. They were from every nation, tribe, people, and language. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They wore white robes and held palm branches in their hands. They cried out with a loud voice, Victory belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood in a circle around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and always. Amen. Then one of the elders said to me, who are these people wearing white robes and where did they come from? I said to him, sir, you know. Then he said to me, these people have come out of great hardship. They have washed their robes and made them white in the lamb's blood. This is the reason they are before God's throne. They worship him day and night in his temple, and the one seated on the throne will shelter them. They won't hunger or thirst anymore. No sun or scorching heat will beat down on them, because the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. He will lead them to the springs of life-giving water and will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Here ends our reading today. So in this passage, we are told in verse 14 that these people have come out of great hardship. And yet, it tells us things like hunger and thirst will be no more. Suffering will be no more. How? Why? Because it says in verse 17, he will lead them to the springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That life-giving water is there again, even in the story of the end. And I cannot help but to notice and give thanks for the water maybe also that drips from our tears that can be healing as God wipes it away. Against all odds, 
This passage today is meant to be one of comfort, one that reminds us that no matter what else may be going on, God is with us and God longs to comfort us and to shelter us and to provide for us. The truth is, a lot of us, even here today, know what hardship is, don't we? We know what grief is. We know what it is to worry, whether it's about those we love or a medical diagnosis, about job security or those in our community who are overworked. We worry about things that are not within our control. And we worry about things like whether or not we're ever going to find rest in the midst of the tiredness that so many are living with right now. Something that we're learning to call pandemic fatigue. The truth is, we all have things in our lives that we struggle with that make our lives hard. And if not now for you, then at some point surely in the past, and I hate to break it to you, but probably some point in the future too, right? And yet, scripture tells us that life isn't easy, but no matter the hardship we face, Revelation reminds us that we are invited to trust in God, who longs to shepherd us and who longs to bring you back to these, this life-giving water that will make you thirst no more, where your tears will be wiped away from your eyes and where you can be filled with hope. No matter what your journey has looked like, God wants you to know and have and embrace these gifts and to remind you that God wants to be on this journey with us in all that we do and that it's worth it in the end. We will be led to these springs of life-giving water. Now today, on this day that we call Commitment Sunday here in our church, because the truth is, we want you to share your gifts with our church here, now, in the present, and in the future as we plan for 2022. And as we do that, we talk about digging deep and trusting in God because we are asking you to step into this, not just theoretically. Some weeks we talk about it and my goal is to inspire you and to want you to read your scripture more and to pray more and it's about personal faith. But today's about community too and how we can live into those gifts together. We're asking for things like how you can pledge your finances so that we can better plan our ministries and budget for the next year. We are, know that our finance team has already been hard at work trying to plan their gifts. And yet we know that giving of our gifts and our pledges today is about something more too. Because I truly want you to have an opportunity to dig deep within yourself, to draw from that abundance that we know that God has already given you. To remind us of how and why First Church is not just worth supporting, but important to support with our finances, with our energy, with our time. And so Commitment Sunday is about celebrating these gifts we commit, not just so that we can meet our bottom line, but it's about offering forth our intentions as a representation of how we trust in God who has already given us so much. And in Revelation 7, we are told that when all is said and done, we will have an opportunity to give our all and to worship before the throne of God, where the one who is seated on the throne 
will shelter them, it says. They, we won't hunger or thirst anymore. No sun or scorching heat will beat down on us because the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd us and will lead us to the springs of life-giving water and will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Friends, this is the good news and promise of scripture. From the beginning to the end, we know that God is with us and there will come a day when we no longer have to break our backs or wear out our tired arms, digging wells and drawing up that living water wherever we can find it. We will no longer have to search for signs of God's grace or lie awake at night worrying about the things that weigh so heavily on us, wondering if what we're doing is enough or worth it. We know that Jesus will shelter us and quench our thirst from the springs of the water of life and that there will come a day when every tear will be wiped away and it will all be so clear that what awaits us is this kind of hope, peace and rest that can only come from God. Now, we don't know exactly what that looks like, of course. We don't know. But the promise and the hope that we are offered in these glimpses of what heaven and earth might look or feel like, well, they invite us to work and give and honor God because we want others to get to be a part of this too. I, I know for me personally, that's part of why I give to First Church. Because the truth is, it's one of this first church is one of the places that I get to see glimpses of God's goodness. It's one of the places that sustains my personal faith in the present and as I look forward to what is yet to come. Because I get to stand, well, up here only on Sundays, but in other places of the church, we have something happening almost every single day in this building where we, the church who are the people, gather. And every single day I get to see a group of ordinary, sinful, this morning I think I called them uh, lovable and stubborn as well, sorts of people, right? And I know that we are living in an ordinary, sinful, lovable and stubborn world. And I get to work with you all in all of these places together. And I think if we, in all of our brokenness and imperfections, can create a place with this much love and kindness and grace and welcome, how much more can God provide when we trust more wholly and fully in God? How much more can God provide? And so my hope and prayer is that you will dig deep in your own life and faith and trust in God a little bit more every day so that all that is yet to come, all of that is yet to come, will help us together to continue to be the welcoming, faithful, grace-filled, service-oriented community God has called us to be. We are invited to do that in tangible ways, maybe by sharing of our time and talents, and also, I hope, by sharing of our pledges and commitments. If you don't have one of these cards, there is one. Uh, there are some on the tables in the back by the offering plates. In a moment here, we're also going to have a QR code on the screen, so if you'd rather fill out an electronic card and you know what that is, you're welcome to scan that with your phone and fill out a card electronically as well.
And my hope and prayer is that you will fill this out, not just because Pastor Jen's asking for money again. There it is. If you scan that, that'll take you to the website to fill out the form online. But that you'll also fill this out as an act of trust in God. Maybe you've never given before, and God is inching you to, for the first time, make an intentional commitment to say, here is what I want to do in the year to come. Maybe you've been giving and you're feeling a little shy and you have a dollar amount that you've always given. What would it look like to increase that this year? What would it look like to go from 5% to 6% or 10% to 11% or 1% to 3%? What does it look like to trust God a little more? Friends, my hope and prayer is that in all the ways we give, we will seek to honor God with generosity that seeks to mirror the generosity God has first shown us. Won't you pray with me? Faithful God, as we dig deep, might you help us to trust in you and to give generously of all that you have already given us. Help us to know, oh God, that your abundant, immeasurable grace and generosity are sources of hope, renewal, and rest. So help us to trust in you and to do our part as we seek to live into your vision of who we are called to be here at First Church and beyond. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.